Hallå så välkommen till Lisa plus Vina Alexant, en podcast om naturlig vin och människan bak. Är till Lisa Anes. Tell me what you had for breakfast this morning. I haven't had any breakfast this morning, but I had. Oh, you a definitely coffee. need to move closer. Okay, or you so can the whole thing. Yeah. Okay, so I haven't had any breakfast this morning. I just had a tea, and also now I'm having a coffee. How are you functioning without breakfast? I usually don't have breakfast until breakfast lunch person? no oh my god i love having like a banana like you know but while we drive to the 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 our brewery i have a banana and like or we share a banana or two on the way or and when i arrive i make like a oats like i always have like this oats and porridge but today i didn't have any if i didn't have breakfast today i would probably kill you right now <laughs> <laughs> i think it's like it's good enough with a bit of caffeine that kind of like kickstart french things. breakfast yes yeah all right let's hello and welcome to lisa plus vin alexant a podcast on natural wine and men's come back at lisa ones start making a podcast and kind of like inform more like educate ourselves and more people with what we're doing and more about fermentation and it's like but I don't have time for editing so I'm like fever you know up mm. work you know just send somebody that can just fix it but so that is really expensive though because I checked like to go in a, into a studio and just do the pod and yeah then and then, then take care of everything yeah. else it's like six thousand kroner per episode really <laughs> yeah ah I would uh well I, I checked on some prices and they're like everything from like uh like 500 kroner or maybe I checked the fancy one. <laughs> yes, it was just kind of like and 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 they have like you know five seven five to 700 reviews so, so it's like you know it's kind of like quite good. So hey, maybe because you know one has doesn't have the time to do all of this stuff, you know. True. I uh I learned doing this on YouTube. Yes. It's the university of the world. I fucking love YouTube. Everything. I just hit record, by the way. So we're recording. Okay. Okay. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Thank Let's you, pretend thank that you. we haven't been talking shit for uh, half an hour and actually we'll start. <laughs> That's the way to start. You have the coolest name in the world. Anna Karenina. Anna Karenina. Yes, Anna my, Karenina. Yeah, I say it the Mexican way. Mm. Like my parents are like big Tolstonian like fans. So there's like, if we have a daughter, her name is to be Anna Karenina. It's so cool because <laughs> I'm such a big fan of that book. Like every geeky teenager, I read it and it changed my life. But I can yeah. literally remember where I sat when I finished the book. Oh, like wow. what, what I was wearing, where I was at. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I loved it. It's, uh, I've seen, like, I've read the book. I, I haven't read it as, like, an adult. Like, I, I read it when I was very young. Mm. And then I, I obviously, seen, like, all the movies. 
And Greta Carbo one is my favorite. Oh, yeah. Yes. That's Do you the best identify adaptation. with this tragic heroine? Or? Well, I, I find it more like inspiring of like how passionate she was about like, you know, pushing of like what she wanted, you mm. know, and and following her passion without like caring of what, you know, what the society thought of what. So that is quite like at the beginning, I was like, oh, my God, that is so dramatic. Why did you give me such a dramatic like uh, name, you know, and you like scarred me with this. <laughs> but actually, like once I understood, I was like, wow, you know, I, 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 I find like I actually like. With my last name, I never see my last name anymore. Like when what I was is like, your last name? I don't my think I know it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. My last name is Anda Baron. In Mexico, we have two uh, last names. Like Anda is my fa- my father's side, and Baron is from my mother's side. So, um, but uh, I think since I was like 15, I stopped kind of like with my last name. So in, in Mexico, it's always like very like, oh, who's your family? Where do you come from? And mm. I'm like, hey. Uh, why it's not is none of your business you know so so uh and i just love the name and it's just like i thought it was really powerful so i just decided to use it like that yeah so it's like and uh, like and people is like oh is this your artist name I'm like no this is my name here like look at my 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 how do you call it like my id and they're like oh wow so it's very cool it's very cool <laughs> And what you do is also very cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me a little bit about yourself and Empress. Well, um, I run a Empress. It's a non-alcoholic brewery, and uh, we focus mainly on fermentation. And we make uh, well flavor and fermentation. It's kind of like our passion. And uh, we started uh, making kombucha. Then, kind of like it evolved into a lot of like fermentation experiments, and uh, so then we make traditional kombucha, and as well we make uh, like a new wave of kombucha, more like a wine alternative, and um, and this is kind of like it has opened like a whole new world of kind of like you know exploration of flavor extraction, and everything that we do is non-alcoholic, so therefore like we need to become really creative, you know, because by extracting with alcohol is like the most uh, the perfect way to kind of extract most of the 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 nutrients the essence of kind of of a plant or a botanical but we just kind of like you know explore different ways so because everything we do is not alcoholic so it has to keep within uh, below 0.5 mm-hmm. it's and it's 0.5 because we're exporting to the US so it's important that we keep that range because Norway is 0.7 and like it actually the alcohol fluctuates within like different countries so oh i didn't know that you were exporting to the us that's yes, very we cool are. wow yes we are with our wines yeah. so our well, our wine alts yeah yeah we do not call them like wines wines because they are not derived from la grape but they're a little bit like you know they're they're an alternative to wine which is still like you know is kombucha it's like a fermented fruit so it's a little bit like a fruit wine slash kombucha ish so it's a it's it's a whole new world <laughs> it is a whole new world and just so the listeners know like we have been working together i think that's good to say for transparency when i was at Isaias, yes. we were working with your products yes. we were working with your kombucha range and we were also working with some of your uh, wine alternatives like the cabin one yeah the called? woodland the woodland yes, yes the yes. dark orange one which i would serve to people and they thought it was amber wine which was yes cool. this uh, the the and then the one with the like the yellow liquid with the uh, purple label 
Yeah, that's the biggest thing. So, yes. so you were you you had our our like our honey wines, mm -hmm. which were like we did a collaboration with Oslo Brewing Company. So this is a bit like a it's a, a honey wine slash uh, June tea. Mm -hmm. So this was uh, from a fermentation of uh, honey. So this is kind of like kombucha's cousin, where you ferment um, where you ferment uh, honey together with the green tea. And we actually have, uh, we sourced the green tea from uh, from Spill the Tea, mm -hmm. which was like a hojicha. Like we wanted to have like this Japanese, uh, uh, how do you call it? This really nice kind of smokiness and added some like barrel-like uh, profiles. So so we we opted for this tea, which is quite, like, quite uh, interesting because also you know, brings the terror from like, you know, Jap like Japanese soil, which is like, like um, a bit more like, you know, uh, it's like a cool climate. And it's like, a, so then it's kind of like makes the tea like quite um, creamy and milky with also like notes of this kind of like smokiness. And since it's um, uh, the hochicha tea was like a bit, it's a bit um, uh, grassy. So it, it really kind of like adds like really nice distinct flavor to to the end result. Mm -hmm. So then it's infused with like, you know, the, the woodland was like completely foraged. Like we foraged everything from our cabin. So it's like ling flowers and like uh, wild uh, spruce together with pine cones. So it was like really, really interesting, but quite complicated <laughs> And labor intensive. I yes, imagine. yes, yes. Especially the ling, you know, having to like, you know. Oh my God, you were picking. Like, yeah, we the picked the ling, flowers? we dehydrated, oh and then God. you have to kind of like tear out the <laughs> the the stems or like the florets. So that was quite, and we always have to wear gloves. So I tried it without it. So I was like, <laughs> and we did actually like this one had like fermented blueberries, wild. So we we all, we also have blueberries. So we and then I think I like like we we forged like three three kilos, and I was like, no more. Uh, we need to find like you know obviously we find like easy locally here, but uh, it it was it's it's such a beautiful brew. Like I loved it so much, and we have so many like uh, like kind of almost like little cultish towards that uh, towards that drink, but. Um, it's uh, uh, we decided to kind of like you know hold it back for a little bit, but we well, I think like I want to like bring it back as like a limited edition and then make like I don't know 800 bottles, a thousand bottles, and that's it, mm -hmm. you know. So just make like one big batch and then just let it be. So there's so many interesting things that we need to unpack here because <laughs> obviously you're on a wine podcast and maybe the listeners are like. What is this chick doing here with the ling? That's <laughs> yeah. not a grape. So the reason that we wanted to record together, obviously, is because I really love what you're doing. I really love your products. I really love that you want to uh, showcase um, Norwegian foraging and all the great flavors you can get from Norway. And also the fact that you work with uh, wild fermentation and extracting flavors, which is also what you're doing in wine. Mm -hmm. And you're talking about fermentation, terroir. Um, it's so many interesting things. But first of all, maybe the listeners are like, what the hell is kombucha? <laughs> Should we start there? Yes. Let's start with the basics. What is kombucha? How have you been working with that? And how has that involved, evolved into your wine alternative range that you're working with today 
Okay, so kombucha is a fermented tea that is believed to come from, uh, like, originated somewhere in northeast China from around, like, 220 uh, B.C. And uh, it's, it's, it's say that uh, it, it was actually given to an emperor from the Qin Dynasty who uh, wanted to, who having a lot of digestive issues. So he got this doctor that apparently, Dr. Kombu, <laughs> that um, uh, so he gave them this tea, which is, was kind of like a kind of like a little vinegary ish. And that would help him. And he just like, you know, it, he drank it all the time and he was kind of like reaching this kind of like he wanted to live forever. And and he used it more as like a tea of immortality. So. Mm. So you know immortality, immortality, yeah. <laughs> immortality. Yes. So and actually, like this beverage was kind of like you know a lot. Uh, it's you know like I said, it comes from Asia, but some people say like you know Japan and then uh, Taiwan, Korea because it's kombu, you know. And, that. and I've heard so, like uh, also maybe like the part of Russia that uh, borders yes. towards Asia. Some people there claim that it's from Russia as well. No, it's I don't think so. But Russians tend to claim exactly their own stuff. <clears throat> exactly, but it like. If you think about it, you know, kombucha it was, uh, you know, it, it was in Japan and when the war was there. Mm. So they brought it to to Eastern Europe and mm. Russia. And so I think like it was brought after the war. So then uh, and then it spread out through like uh, Eastern Europe, which is like, you know, and then from there, like, you know, back to the world, the U.S. and everything. So it got revived in like during the 60s and it was kind of like a hippie drink and alternative. So and and it's it's quite it's been quite big in the U.S. Uh, so this like fermentation, uh, fermented tea, it's like I don't think I defined it what it was. It's a fermented tea that is made with sugar, tea and uh, culture of bacteria and yeast. And this is acetic acid bacteria, not like lactic acid bacteria. So, which is, you can find that in, uh, in, uh, in wines, right? Absolutely. Yes. And it's roughly the same process, like in wine, in sourdough, in whatever that is fermented, like bacteria and yeast, yes, sugar, and then yes. they produce acids and delicious flavor. Yes. And aroma. So the, 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 the bacteria and yeast convert the sugar into alcohol, and then the bacteria... Uh, converts the alcohol into uh, into organic acids, and that is what gives like kombucha. It's really delicious, tangy, you know, like really nice like uh, uh, flavor, which is like well known for. Like kombucha has this really specific flavor, and you don't find it anywhere else. So that's what makes it, and that's why we love it so much, because that's what gives it that like really nice funk. And then based on the teas that you use it kind of like it variates and it develops differently. So it's really, really like interesting of how to, to play with like the types of teas and the combinations of black and green or mm. white or whatever you want to use a tisane. But it's the, it, it must have enough black tea to support the culture because the culture needs the, the, the caffeine, the high amounts of caffeine to be able to convert all this, uh, all to do its work. Mm. Basically, it's the food. And the culture, it's called a SCOBY, which stands for Symbiotic Culture of Bacteria and Yeast. Yes. And it looks like, it's called like a mushroom, but it's not a it's not a fungi, but it looks like a blob of, it's very, I think they're cute, but I, th I think, I know a lot of people find them disgusting because it just looks like a blob of slime, kind yes. of, a slime blob. 
It's quite like, you know, almost like clammy as well. Like it yeah, looks, it looks like, like a huge clam. Like a scallop. Yes. You know, so it's... Um, and I guess your scobies must be huge in the brewery, right? Yes. Because mm. I used to make these 10 liter batches. Yeah. And they were pretty, like, they were the size of my head in, like, uh, width. And yeah. then maybe a couple of fingers yes. thick. That's, so, uh, that's a good... Uh, it's like a big like, disc. Yeah, no, it's like... Well, every time, like, during fermentation process, like, it creates uh, a pellicle. Mm -hmm. So it's like this kind of, like, um, uh, pellicle, which you call mother. So then it's like, and at the end, underneath it, you have all these strains of yeast that with time, like, you know, create this, like, long stream. Like a beard, almost. Yeah, no, it looks so beautiful. Like, it looks like a medusa, you mm -hmm. know, at one point, because you have, like, the... The top layer of like um, of um, of the pellicle that every time it grows, it makes a tiny layer. So it's beautiful. It's like uh, at the end, you can see like all these tiny, tiny, tiny little like layers as keeps evolving. Mm -hmm. So, but we have <laughs> we we brew in five hundred uh, liter fermentation tanks. So yeah, it's crazy that coming from home when we were like fermented at home as well, and then we started like four liters, and then it like evolved into now we do like five hundred liters, you yeah. know. So we get quite big scobies, and we always kind of like you know check them and make sure that they are not so dry and then also not so thick. Hmm. So we I think we we toss uh, every like five months, we five or six months we do like a cleanup. And if the, the, the culture gets too big, we just, just toss it and start all over again. Yeah, because my experience is that if you have a culture that is too big, it ferments too quickly and yes. you don't have time to develop flavors. No, and it gets really, like, yeah, exactly. It gets Super as acidic. Acid, acidic very yeah. fast. And then, exactly, the flavor does not develop. But also with all the, the, all the yeast strains, alcohol is produced much faster. Mm. So the bacteria doesn't have the time to convert that into, like, into acids. Well, yeah, it does. But, uh, but it's just still like a bit too alcoholic it mm -hmm. can get. So, and that's what, why we toss it, you know. But like, I wish, like, I've been looking for different farmers and trying to see like who wants to collaborate with us. So because there's a lot of protein in the bacteria, I mean, and in the culture. So this is like really good for like, you know, animal feed for soil, for the soil to kind of like make it into, to, to feed, you know, the, the. To into compost? Yes, into yeah. compost. I used to do that when I was living in London. I had like a compost heap in the garden and I yeah. would put my old scobies or scoby discards there. Yes, and to chop them up. And it was amazing. Yes, and then so. you put that into your plants and like I, I also do that, but <laughs> in, a, in a smaller amount. And then when, because I have some scobies and I use for kind of like making new experiments of kombucha. Mm -hmm. But then I, the ones, the little ones, I do toss. And then when I have like in the summer, I make my own uh, compost. Because I have a lot of plants in the house, like my house is like covered with greens, so it's important to feed them. So if every anybody's listening who has a farm who wants some free nutrients, yes, uh, call call this number or you know <laughs> uh, uh, send an Instagram message. I guess yeah. it's the contact modern. Lisa, please, or contact me, please. Uh, I really would love to find somebody who we can collaborate with and take our discarded uh, cultures because. So now we know what kombucha is, and tell me, like, how did you get into kombucha, and how are you working with it today? Uh, I got into kombucha 
You, I've been a vegetarian, vegan for 22 years-ish. So I've always been really interested in like, you know, making food from scratch and everything that I eat is like healthy and like diets and uh, and uh, and superfoods. And, you know, so so many years ago, I, 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 you know, in a blogger, it's like, oh, kombucha, this wonder drink. And everybody in the U.S. was like, you know, and it was like so famous in the U.S. So I'm like, yeah, I have to say, I also experienced this first in the U.S. Yes. In like 2012, it was on tap. Yes. In the coffee shop in Gasoline Alley on Lafayette Street in New York. If anyone's been there. And that was like so long ago. I feel like kombucha, we're just seeing it in the supermarket shelves and obviously in the wine monopoly with your yes. uh, with your products like now. Yeah, but the, I and this, you know, this friend has like been for many many years and finally you know when uh i actually tried my first kombucha in mexico um my i was living here in norway but my, my background is design so i'm a graphic designer so i'm um, uh, one of my best friends was she she started a microbrewery in her house so she brought kombucha from uh her kombucha scoby from um What's it called? Uh, Colorado. Hmm. So of course she she was there and she was like you know hanging out in this. She was like in a cabin or something, and then she discovered this scoby and they made kombucha. And she just fell in love with it. And there you can find it everywhere, like in tap yeah. rooms and er so she was like, oh my god, I really want to make this in Mexico. So she brought the scoby to Mexico and she started her brewery. And then and you know like from home, she in her background, she backyard. She has like, you know, it's in Cabo, everything grows there. So she had mangoes and so she so she locally uses her local produce in her house. So and and she asked me to make her branding and uh, so I did her branding and uh, of course I did. And uh, and she's like, Oh, whenever you come to Mexico you should try my kombucha and Oh my God, seriously, when I tried kombucha the first time, you know, in Mexico, we love this kind of like sweet and sour acidic, like most of our candies are like in that profile. So like when I tried kombucha, it was just like, pff, you know, this like, you know, this sweet and sour and had this really nice tagginess. I was just like mesmerized by the flavor. And, um, and also that day, like, uh, we were like, you know, in the night we were drinking mezcal and drinking kombucha and we were making cocktails and we drank a lot of mezcal. And the coolest thing is like, I woke up in the morning and I was like, fresh as a lettuce. Like, I've seriously. I've heard about this. I've seriously. heard about this. Is it true? Oh uh, it, but obviously I only drink one uh, one alcohol, which was mezcal. Yeah, Once it starts, exactly. Be, when you mix your alcohols and sugars and all this, that's where you get hungover because it's like processing the different like uh, sugars in, uh, from the alcohol mm. plus. But uh, this was just pure, like kombucha and mezcal. And literally... It's, I love both. <laughs> it's and a great mix, I haven't mix, had a lot of spirits since I had a baby, so maybe this is like my big night out with uh, mezcal and kombucha. <laughs> oh my God, seriously, like kombucha, like actually make this really nice uh, margarita, like a uh, paloma mm -hmm. with a rose. So I make like a paloma rose with like grapefruit and it's just like in a little bit like smoky mezcal with some like chilito. Mm -mm -mm. Wow. So anyway, uh, back to Mexico. <laughs> so so I was just like, wow, you know, everything I read about it. And it's like, you know, I read that it was like, you know, really good for like, you know, with electrolytes will help to kind of like, you know, balance that. Uh, and, and, and good for hangovers. So I was like, wow, this is like the wonder drink, you know? So um, 
So she's like, take it with you. And I was like, oh my God, I already have like five like I think I had like five or six kilos of chilies I was like bringing with me I will not say smuggling but I just said it obviously you were smuggling it's okay (laughs) I brought some chilies with me from Mexico Mm -hmm. and uh and I was like oh my god what I'm gonna do with this looks like you know that looks like some sort of like unlegal substance Mm -hmm. so um so I'm like okay fine whatever let's just roll with it and so we brought it from Mexico and we started making kombucha at home, and then from that, it's just like, you know, like one little from four liters, and then it just evolved into this, like, crazy obsession that we just fell in love with. And I and I kept, I kept on, like, you know, trying different types of teas, and I've always been, like, a tea fan, but this was just, like, you know, uh, discovering, like, single, like, origins of tea. It was just, like, Wow you know, and how the flavor developed after fermentation. So it was just kind of like, oh, my God, what if we do this and this and this and this? And then we, so that's we made, like, our own tea blends, and we experimented with lots of different fruits, which, like, you know, blueberries, most of the wild yeast in fruits that ended up in my roof, like, yeah. everywhere. Oh, my God, so, I've had that, too. Oh, my God. <gasps> Exploding bottles. Blueberry is the worst. Oh, it's not really exploding when you open it, you know. Oh, it's, you I open had it, some it's explosions. Like, yeah. And some bad ones. Like once, um, I... So, like, okay, the listener... Hi, guys. I've been making kombucha for a long time as well. This, which is kind of why we're talking about this as well. Because I love kombucha. It's so cool. It's like my, my second love after wine, of course. <clears throat> uh, no, kombucha was my first love and then wine came later. Actually. actually. That's amazing. Um... But when I was making kombucha ones, I can't remember what the... I was flavoring it with something. I wonder if it was pineapple juice or something quite reactive. Yeah. And the bottle exploded. And I wasn't in the kitchen, but it exploded so hard that a shard of glass from the bottle hit um, a painting which had glass over it. And the glass on the painting exploded. Oh, wow. So if I'd been in the room, that could have been like death by kombucha. Oh my God, that's crazy. I've, yep. I've had some explosions, like, uh, but, um, you know, leaving my kombucha, like raw kombucha bottles and then just leave them there. But none of like my experiments ever exploded like crazy. Just like when you open it, it's like, you know, yes. it's just like bursted out like the blueberries. Uh, but uh, some, there's some fruits that contain a lot of yeast. So that's like, and, and a high content of sugar. So therefore, probably mm-hmm, that uh, pineapple. pineapple juice. Because I've made the um, pineapple drink. Uh, what's tepache. it called? Yes, tepache. tepache. It's so cool. So uh, listeners, It's a Mexican ferment. Know, yes. And the only thing you do, I haven't made it in so long. You just literally, you take the skin of a pineapple and some sugar. And you put it in water? Yeah, no, you put like the, the pineapple rind. So you yes. you cut at the, the edge. So actually it's a, a very good kind of like, um, how do you call it? Um, a zero waste uh, product. So you, you can like, when you eat your pineapple, you just like, once you take off the rinds off, wash that a little bit. And then you use, because it has a lot of wild yeast in it. So you do that. We add that to water and uh, we use... We use uh, panela or like a, a brown sugar. So you mix it with brown sugar and you use canela or mm. can- cinnamon. Cinnamon, Canel. yes. Mm. Ca- cinnamon and some spices. And then uh, and that ferments into this really delicious kind of like, you know, 
funky pineapple and actually it's highly probiotic as well mm -hmm. so it's like in mexico you drink it a lot it's kind of like the poor man's beer it's <laughs> really delicious it tastes like pineapple beer but yes. obviously it's alcohol free and like listeners if you have a pineapple at home you can just it can be any old pineapple doesn't yes. have to be like organic or fancy uh, and it's delicious I haven't made it in years I should yes actually make I make it, it all the time I actually there's always like a tapache in our in mm. uh, in our house or in our in our in our pantry because I actually like I I used to make uh, pineapple vinegar my mom is like she's always made pineapple vinegar so Ooh. we use the rinse uh, we so we basically let the tapache like uh, ferment for a long time and then that turns into vinegar which also happens with kombucha mm -hmm. you know we do the same you know we we have like uh, tons uh, like thousands of liters of kombucha vinegar always running so we use that a lot for our products and extractions and uh, and we love the funkiness of the of the kombucha vinegar so if you are making kombucha and it gets uh, vinegary, do not throw it away. Mm. It's actually just leave it, you know, add it in like infuse some fruits into it, put it into a salad, you know, add it to your soups and make like, you know, to drinks, you know, it's really good for you. And if the listeners have been paying attention, I feel like there's so many parallels <laughs> to natural wine that we're talking about. Because the way you're describing the first time you discovered kombucha, like the tanginess, the acidity, the yes. fun of it, I feel like it's so similar to the first time I had natural wine mm -hmm. and many other people as well. And when we're talking about fermentation, like the funk that you get, the layers of flavor, how the origin of the tea really affects the final flavor profile. We're talking about wild fermentation. I also know that kombucha can have some of the problems that we see in natural wine because I've had ropey kombucha and I've had where it gets like quite What fake. is ropey? Ropiness is something we see in wine. Uh, it's a bacterial situation mm. that comes and goes mm. and it gets kind of thick and like syrupy. And I've had that oh, happen wow. with both tepache and kombucha, where it huh. gets like thick. But then it just, the bacterial culture obviously evolves over time. Mm -hmm. And then after a while, it just disappears. Yeah. It usually disappears with some air exposure as well. So yes. if you have it with wine, it's very common to just pour the wine into a carafe and then just shake it like there's no tomorrow. And then it kind of oh. goes away. Yeah, because I, I know that you can like, you know, with to get some like funky odors and whatever, you decant it. Mm -hmm. But... You shake it? Yeah, with the wine, you just get the air in there as fast <laughs> as possible. And then, uh, obviously, also mousiness is a problem with kombucha. Yes. And it's a problem with natural wine. So there's a lot of the same processes going on, I find, I find in natural wine and kombucha. I think it's also from, like, the yeast. You mm -hmm. know, it's like, it's it, because both of the, 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 the processes involve yeast. So... During like a kombucha fermentation, it's like, you know, it all depends on uh, the amount of black tea that is involved because if it's too much black tea, it becomes more yeasty mm. and uh, and and some yeast strains may could be like out of balance. So that can just evolve and create this like funky smells. But they usually, you know, kombucha tends to be a little bit like uh, herbal, acidic, and then uh, have like really nice like uh, undertones of you know following the tea, but um, but the flavor can turn into a little bit kind of like you know a little bit funky mm. uh, or 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 mousy in mm. that case. Like actually, we had that problem with the with the fermented honey. You know, I think the fermented I honey, yes, the fermented honey can turn mousy 
very fast. So it was about like you know how we treated the the the, the honey, but it took like some trial and some epic errors. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but we finally managed to balance it, you know. And but it's kind of like you know when you venture into a world, it is so it's it's a bit of like trial and error because um, we like my background is design and I've been a foodie all my life and everything that I've learned is based on kind of like reading YouTube and like tons of like books and papers and things that I've you know read about like how to you know troubleshoot these mm. experiences. Um, so tell me a little bit about your wine alternatives that you're working on more now, because obviously you had the kombucha range, which or you still have it, I suppose, yes. with the flavor uh, additives. So you have the rose kombucha and the strawberry kombucha, which I remember sold really well at Sias, yes. and the ginger one as well. Yes. Uh, and then you're also working with this other range, which is more like... Uh, Vineuse, as we say in Norwegian, like wine-like. Yes. Um, and comes in bigger bottles and goes mainly out to the restaurant industry. But then you're also launching some stuff at the Wine Monopoly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little so, bit about that. Okay. So our wine-olds, we call them wine-olds. It's mm-hmm. a bit of like wine alternative, short click. And uh, it's kind of like a, a new wave of kombucha. So we still use... Uh, we with making kombucha, so we use the body of kombucha, which adds that really nice brightness, acidity, and 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 kind of like you know very distinctive flavor that you know makes it kind of like wine like you know and tiny little effervescence, and we we we've been fermenting a lot, so we infuse it together with the fermented fruit, so it's a little bit between like a fruit wine. Uh, uh, infused with, you know, kombucha. So even though, like, you know, just a little bit backtrack, you know, when you when you infuse kombucha and when you're from doing a second fermentation, you add, like, you know, a fruit element. And then that fruit element ferments, but um, we, and into, like, you know, infuses the flavor. What we do is, like, we s- separate, you know, because we do not do this type of second fermentation because a lot of alcohol is produced during that by introducing extra sugar to it mm. so we do everything like cold brew so we we ferment uh, separately um, so we do a fermentation of like a lacto fermentation of uh, fruit so then that kind of really like breaks the enzymes and makes the fruit like completely transforms the flavor into like a little bit like more umami with a little bit more acidity and brighter so so we infuse that together with the kombucha and then we add some herbs and uh, uh, botanicals and bitters and that adds you know from there we build from the bottom up Mm. so it's just like to add like complexity and flavor so in a way it's like we wanted to you know during we actually started making the wine alternatives uh, during uh, our first year that we 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 started making kombucha like like commercially and we, we just released it as like, oh, my God, this is a champagne alive. So why don't we put it in a champagne bottle mm. and put it in a and, and just like people can try like just as is. So we released like our first original moon brew. It was kind of like midnight brew because we spent all our life and time <laughs> in the brewery. <laughs> so um, so and that was kind of like a first like sparkling kind of like option. And then we, we launched it for like for um, for the holiday season. 
and it like flew off the shelf. So then, uh, so then we decided it's like, okay, this is a really good alternative. And then Corona hit, and you know it was locked down and everything. And and but it was actually pretty good for us because you know people were looking, you know, especially restaurants, you know, they were looking for something to pair and uh, and. And they were doing like pairing with fruit juices and sodas. And seriously, some places were just using like Pepsi Max. You know, it's like no, how? Really? Yes. Oh so, my God. so I'm like, how, this is like butchering food, you know? Mm-hmm. So you can't like offer that. So, like, um, uh, so we decided to, it's like, hey, you know, why don't we bring this back? And so we, we started kind of like and experimenting with the already other fermentations. So we said, you know, this is for like, the restaurant industry. So also these, uh, the, our products are like shelf stable. So it's always like been a problem. It's always like, oh, we don't have space for your kombucha that needs to be refrigerated always. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is a uh, shelf stable. So it's easy to store and then just kind of like use as you go. And and also has a longer shelf life and there's no explosions or anything like this. So, you know, it's it's a product that it's, you know, it adds complexity. It's like more mature as well, rather than having like like a soda, some kombuchas that like, can be a little bit more sweeter mm-hmm. and uh, and or too acidic. Like for us, like our approach is kind of like an adult way of making a drink, even though we have like a strawberry like kombucha that could be like you know appropriate for all kinds of children and everything like people ages um but our approach is a little bit more like mature which is like low sugar brightness acidity more balance and then and compared to from our kombuchas to our winelts our winelts are more nuanced you know, so it's like the flavor is there but it's not like full on like uh, you know how do you call it? Like nectarines and apricots and rose and 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 the flavor is there, but it's more elegant. It's like you know, mm. it's it's supposed to complement. You can smell it, you can taste it a little bit, but it's not like full on like bold as our kombuchas are really bold on flavor, but still like balanced. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a great wine alternative, and. I also saw at the end of my time at Isaias, and even more now, there's also this big thirst for alcohol-free products that are more uh, nuanced and that are for grown-ups. Because especially when I was pregnant last year, you know, at the end of the pregnancy, you're so tired of apple juice because that's the only thing you're offered in most restaurants, or it used to be, but I feel it's getting better now. And I remember at Isaias, so many people were appreciative that we were having your products and also the products of Villebrug, which mm. is another great producer of alcohol-free beverages, and that people could have like a more nuanced and exciting experience. And also, actually, I had... I remember we had like the full menu at Yaita when I was pregnant. Yeah, and they yeah. had this insane juice pairing. Yeah, That was like, wow. And I think a lot of places had the opportunity to experiment with that during Corona. Like yes. you said, it's so absurd to think about it now. Like, hey, no restaurants can serve you have alcohol. To be creative. And people were doing juice pairings all over the place. It's just, it feels like another world. Yeah, no, but I think like that really, like number one, it 
it <laughs> it added much more work to 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 the to the kitchen mm-hmm. but it also like it ignited more creativity you know yeah. so you know we are in like our our wines uh, like our wine halls are served in like you know spilesalen and and Einad and rest, but they, at the beginning they were all making their own uh, pairings, you know, and juice pairings and experimenting in 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 in, in uh, you know finding like balance and how they can like you know really kind of bring you know pair together with the food that they're serving. So it's actually quite interesting, but also you know we just come in and offer a product that kind of hits you know the right spot and. And you don't have to work so hard there, but it's just like I think like that's the important thing. It's like you know, it's like seeing an opportunity and being creative and seizing it because it's like I I thought like we are big foodies ourselves, and then we you know we go out and eat, and I was like, oh my god, this is just like you don't have anything else that is not alcoholic, you know. And I I do not drink soda. I've never drank soda in my life. Well, I have, you know, of course, but. Uh, I like I've never been a soda drinker. So then it's just like and I don't consider kombucha as a soda. Perhaps like a lot of people it's like a healthy alternative to soda. Yes, but uh with the with the flavor profile that it has, so, you know, it's quite different, you know. And um uh, so so um so I think like it just made like, you know, it it hits the right spot when it comes to food and and pairing. Uh, based on the like the acidity and how like it prepares like your taste buds, you know, because it like brightens up your taste buds. So when you, you know, when actually when you know when I love I'm Mexican, so I make a, a, we eat a lot of spice and like Mexican food. And when you drink that together with kombucha and like say you have a little chipotle and then mm. you drink a sip of the strawberry, literally like your mouth like opens up like and you feel the tanginess of the chipotle like everywhere so i just love this like reaction that they make so and you know with like the moon brew we we uh we eat a lot of sushi and like sashimi and 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 kind of like asian food mm. so when and and when you mix that you know like you have a sip of the of of the kombucha of the moon brew and it's just like really kind of like balances out all this nuance and spices in your, you know, gingery, spicy, chili. And it's just like so bright, like the the reaction. So it's just like I love the way that, you know, it's the same thing with wine, you know, when you it's just like that the brightness and the acidity of it. And it's just kind of like really kind of evolves the palate and what you're eating is just like, phew. It just enhances the experience in a way that Pepsi Max really won't do for a food. I feel like. Pepsi Max has never enhanced. Maybe except uh, if you're extremely hungover, maybe that enhances. Oh yeah, it. it's uh, <laughs> I, 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 Mexico is more like of a Coca Cola. Yeah, know? I was about to say like I've, I'm not a big soda drinker at all. Except like if I'm super hungover, like yes. an ice cold Coca Cola. Oh my god, can with lemon. Sometimes oh enhance, yes, with lemon. With can lemon. sometimes enhance the experience. Oh yeah. And yes. when I was living in the U.S., Mexican cola was a thing because oh. then it's from sugar and not with yes. sweeteners and shit. Mexican Coca Cola is way better, mm. you know. So and then you know, Norway is one of the only countries in the world that it's like Pepsi is like the most uh, sold. I don't uh, drink. get it. It's, it's sorry, Pepsi listeners. <laughs> Jesus Christ, like find something else to drink. It's disgusting. Oh my God. So something I want to go back to, uh, which you mentioned in the beginning, is like terroir and tea and how that affects 
the flavor profile of the kombucha because obviously this is also something that we recognize when it comes to wine. We talk about grape types, grape varietals. We talk about soil conditions, um, terroir, climate, microclimate, all these things. And in kombucha, it's the same with the tea, right? That yes. The tea will affect the final flavor profile of the brew. Exactly, because it's, uh, you know... Uh, uh, teas come from different parts of the world, you know, regions like uh, they usually like our teas are from, you know, China, from Japan. We have some uh, from uh, Brazil because we use they yerba mate. Yeah, yerba mate. It's oh, not yes, a tea. of course. It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's, a, it's more like a tisane, mm-hmm. but like highly caffeinated, which yes. I love yerba mate. It. It's my coffee to go. I always have it with me. Um, anyway, so it's like... Um, so so it it depends, you know, like uh, the cultivars uh, also it's it's what the tea is come from, like what's the strain of the and usually like the tea uh, kombucha tea comes from the camellia synthesis. So that's uh, the tea leaf. So then uh, um, uh, and it's about like climate, the soil composition of the area where it comes from, like, Say our our China jasmine tea comes from southeastern China, which is kind of like the Fujian province, which kind of like it's like subtropical. There's a lot of rainfall. Therefore, like the soil composition is like well rich and like really good, well drained, which adds kind of like a little bit more like um, really nice uh, uh, delicate floral uh, because that's our jasmine tea. Mm-hmm. So it's like it really enhances on the smooth like uh, flavor profile of the jasmine flowers and the aroma of the tea, making it like a little bit more smoother because there's a lot of like, you know, uh, drainage of the soil. And uh, um, like our Assam tea, which is a little bit more like, you know, bolder in flavor, there's like it, it comes from uh, tropical uh, um, uh, climate, which has a lot of, uh, you know, monsoon seasons and a lot of water, which is it like makes it uh, the soil is like, you know, very rich and slightly acidic, mm-hmm. which like at the end, like the tea makes it a little bit more like, you know, very full body, malty and quite bright. So like, you know, in that way, like there's there's. You know, it does uh, the same as a um, the same as a, a fruit. I mean, a grape. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the flavor kind of evolves and and it comes like it's 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 how do you say it? Like um, it's affected by the composition of the soil and the altitude and everything. Mm-hmm. So I think like um, it's it's really important to also to to uh, to take that into consideration because it's a uh, it's it's how the flavor like at the end result you know how the flavor will kind of like be the, the flavor profile would end being mm. and also i think there is another part of using tea which you don't have so much with grapes because obviously grapes soil conditions climate whatever you pick them you crush them or not and then you ferment mm-hmm. whereas with tea you also have to process the tea leaves in yes. tea before you can use it and some listeners not may not know this but uh, green white black tea it's all the same plant yes you can make all these things from one plant yes which, which i is... used to think that there's different plants for white tea and green tea me and too black tea. Yeah, everything I think everybody com- does. Everything comes from the Canelia synthesis plant, which yeah. is one plant. But it's like the way that, you know, 
oolong teas are fermented. So therefore, like they are hand rolled or some teas are kind of like, and then there's oxidation in the process and then it's dried and then it's kind of like roasted. So so this is like, you know, actually the also the different types of teas goes from different uh, process of fermentation and oxidation and uh and and some are like um, extracted earlier, so you have like a first flush and a second flush. As the first flush is the first, uh, the uh, first bud, right? Buds, mm-hmm. yes. So that really adds more like it's it's more clean, it's more bright because, and then the the longer it kind of like the the tea develops, it also the flavor kind of like you know settles and ripens. Mm. So then it's like adds a different profile to to the. Uh, and also, if there's like if there's too much uh, rainfall in the in in the climate, also kind of like can affect also the flavor profile depending on if there's like the altitude of the tea. So, um, so it's a huge topic. There's so yes. many factors. And I have a friend uh, Alexander who has this company called Villetra. Oh yes, I know him. Yeah. Yes, and oh he my God. imports rare teas like super rare he's yeah. really focused on oolongs from yeah. like yes and so puer yeah puer, well. yes and I, he has like this because you can age tea which is something i didn't know and he's very into that so i've tasted like tea from 1967 oh that's beautiful it's so cool and they definitely develop flavors in the same way that wine does that it becomes less like fruity or tea is never that fruity but it becomes more like nutty and fruity as well yeah well fruity in a different way or like uh, dried fruits as well you get like all these layers you can get like a little bit like you know apricot and you can get like some like like cherry like because it's not like it's not like uh, smoky but it's more like old it tastes fucking old no but look at this like uh, lapsang is one of my favorite teas yes, me that too. that tea Smoke is tea. like you know you can find like nuances of like clove and smoke yeah. and kind of like you know bark a little bit cinnamon and so oaky and like it has well. very earthy mm-hmm. exactly so you know it's just like the type of tea and the way it's fermented so you know like a jasmine is um it's they 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 dry the tea together with like uh jasmine buds so mm. the jasmine uh, flowers infuse the with the aroma like infuse the tea but you don't get well you of course you do get some varieties of tea with like little jasmine buds in them mm. but mostly the jasmine uh you know jasmine pearls just it's just like aromatized with like um with the flower mm. so it's uh, it's really and then it's that's the way like it's really beautiful the way that it develops you know with time so um you know, I, I learned a lot from tea from uh, Maja from Spilled Tea and both Alex uh, 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 from Alex. Alex, yeah. Yes. From Villetrad. Yes, from Villetrad. He knows a lot. Yes. About and, tea. Uh, and it's really, you know, I've never tried such beautiful teas, you know. It's just, so it's really interesting to to understand and kind of like, and, and, and also respect, you know, where it comes from. And all, like the people that, you know, that that work in the cultivars and uh, and in and and the and the way that it comes from around the world and so it's just like you know we are in Norway so <laughs> there is no tea production you have like a lot of tea like herbs here you know this um this uh what's it called it's uh it's called wildfire wild uh, which one 
What does it look like? It's like uh, with the fl uh, purple flowers. Oh, yes. Yaitrams. Yes. yes. This is kind of like a green tea-like. Mm -hmm. And I actually have used the tea, the, the leaves, and then like roll them into into like little balls and put them in a you know in a bag and a in a closed and um, a sealed uh, like a plastic bag not a plastic bag but it's just like a oh yeah vacuum box. sealed yeah vacuum sealed mm -hmm. and then like you let them uh, ferment and then and and then uh, and then like that one you dry them and then just adds like a really nice ah. tea like flavor cool. so it's something that I actually want to can explore making kombucha because. You know, we we do a lot of kind of like we I I've in 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 uh, here in Norway like everything grows and I've you know I I'm always like exploring and I'm like doesn't ferment let's see you know mm -hmm. like put it in put it in a jar add some salt and you know see if it ferments and um, and it's really interesting because everything grows here and I've always been really passionate about plants but plants that I like you know only read in books I'm like oh my god it's like right here on the floor you know and I just and go into the forest yes stuff, and know? it's like there's so much beautiful like you know fauna in Norway yeah. you know and so during seasons we do a lot of foraging and I, I re get reintroduced to uh, like a lot of plants and and I want to use them and introduce them into into our brews the same thing is like when we are exporting our wine alts, I want I add some of this Norwegian fauna in there. So, you know, they get a little bit of like, this is a new wave of uh, drink, but you also get part of Norway, you know. So it's a really beautiful way to kind of like, you know, embody like the nature where you come from. Yeah, I can't wait for picking season to start this year. Because yes. last year I was super pregnant <laughs> and then I had a tiny baby. So I couldn't like bend down and pick stuff. And then <laughs> you could just like wrap them around in your back. Yeah, you know? I'm going to get like, um, like a bad mace, you know, where this kind of in a backpack where you can yes. sit on a little like king yes. chair and we can pick. Because something I love uh, to use as well is like the first shoes of Mjödurt. Yes. I've made uh, I've made like tisans with it. I've made teas with it. I've made like um, like herbal uh, like uh, oils, and also I was a judge in like a cider and fruit wine competition for oh. Norwegian product products a couple of weeks ago, and we had like a mjödurt and hylleblomst. Uh, cider, I think it was, or fruit wine. Fruit wine is it anaconic? We don't know. Oh, we don't I know. have a friend, my friend uh, Annika. She it's makes all, fruit it's all wine. Like, um, yes. blind. She has a amazing mjödurt uh, uh, fruit wine Might that she that makes, and uh, yes, really cool. Yes, it's quite funky and it's like uh, really like cloudy as yes. well. It looked like a pet nut kind of. Yes, yeah. I think you had my there friend. There was so much cool stuff in there, like just the fruit wine that is being made in Norway right yes. now. We also had like a raspberry wine that yes. was twelve percent ABV, um, but and and didn't sparkle. It was just like it looked like a rosé. Yeah, it, it oh, tasted beautiful. like full on raspberry rosé. It was fucking cool. Yes, no, she makes this uh, and like uh, Annika. She her her brand's called Anaconic. So mm -hmm. she makes uh, uh, the fruit wines. And uh, and her Aronia fruit wine is so beautiful. It's really bold. It's like highly like seriously. Every time I drink it, I'm like, Phew! I feel this kind of like you know, it's quite uh, antioxidant. So mm -hmm. it's just like you get this like boost, and it's like bold and it's like quite tannic because of like you know the peel of the of of the Aronia. of the Aronia yeah. is quite. Intense. But it's just like it's really cool to see something like that you know transformed into a wine. So. And it's like 
I I I I, I kind of grab so much inspiration from that. You know, the, like you know, f- ice wines and how you you know you really extract. You know, put everything, make it into a block, and then all the juice yeah. kind of like utilize it to make like a to 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 ferment it into a, a, into 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 wines. So it's a it's really cool. Even though like. You know, there's so much varieties of wine. They've been around forever. You know, when you don't have grapes, you know, just put some cherries and and and, and you make your own fruit wines. They yeah. still have quite high enough uh, ABBs. But I I prefer like you know I've I've never been like like a fan of like super high ABV wines. So I like smoother. That's why uh, like natural wines are really nice because. You can just drink it and just enjoy it, and it doesn't feel like you know. I, I don't wake up in the next day having a massive headache. Yeah. You know, and it like the I I've noticed the older I get, it's the more sensitive to alcohol I have become. So I I find myself drinking very little. I still like I love wine, so I I enjoy like a glass of wine here and there, but um but I don't drink like you know like liquor or like heavy alcohol i do make a lot of cocktails yeah but it's just like sip 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 and that's it you know it tastes really good like this but obviously i do drink mezcal i love mezcal yes good circle (laughs) it would come back around to the beginning but yeah mezcal like i love this place pala here it's quite close to my bus stop like if i go into the city and uh, the city. I live in Oslo, but I live like, <laughs> on the outskirts. Um, but it's so good. And yeah, maybe I should just bring a bottle of booch next time I go to Pala and be like, hey, can I, can I pair this? Because so, exactly. I have a baby and I don't want to be hungover. Yes. Um, but yeah, I definitely also love the low alcohol alternatives. Yes. And obviously not all natural wines are low alcohol, but more of them are. Yeah. And, um, I've been researching it quite a lot right now because I can divulge that the column that I'm writing for D2 magazine mm. for 17th of May, it's all about low alcohol wines because 17th nice, of May, obviously yes. you start drinking at 8am and by the time <laughs> it's midday, you're like, fuck. How to drink all day out. without compromise. Yes. You know? So you can, you can obviously drink Empress's delicious wine alts yes. and you can drink some low alcohol beverages and then you can just feel fine instead of starting the day with champagne which has like 12% ABV and then feeling you like You know trash. what I find it really interesting? It's like, you know, like you know, you can easily mix our kombucha with wine and like during summer I always make spritzers. So, so then it's like that's a really good way of kind of like you can drink wine all day without really like feeling because it's like low ABB and then uh, it's so they did in the Greek uh, symposiums back in the day they would yeah. all just drink like watered down wine just to stay like tipsy all exactly. day instead of getting drunk then in the summers like you know we like last year we went with our friends and we took like probably I don't know like 15 liters of kombucha or even more you know and uh so we brought all our winels and everybody just brought wine, you know, typical. So so I was like, okay, we're going to keep this kind of like good handedness vibes, but without having to like to be taken care of like drunken people. You know, it's a very small place. So, um, well, with a lot of wilderness. But it was like that. And everybody was super happy. And I made a lot of like easy cocktails, but just keeping it like wine and, and, and our, and our wine alts and then some, uh, you know, syrup or mixer that I, that mm. I make. But it's just like, you drink that all day in the sun and it's like, you do not get drunk. You know, 
you just kind of like smooth in a lot of food, which is you do a lot of 17 away, you know, you eat all day and then you drink, you mm-hmm. know, so that's kind of like basically the motto. So it's, it's a good way to kind of like, you know, if you still want to have like a tipsy like drink, you can just mix it together with wine and then you just kind of like roll smooth on. <laughs> yes. I think that is a really nice way to end this podcast <laughs> because um, we all love staying a little bit tipsy throughout the day. We also all love not being hungover. Yes. And a lot of good stuff comes out of both natural wine and kombucha. So not, why not mix it together? Yes. Mm. Well, thank you so much for enlightening us uh, <laughs> about kombucha about fermentation with other stuff than just grapes and i feel like it's so interesting how there's so many parallels to wine um as i said like kombucha was definitely the thing that got me really into wild yeast fermentation that and kimchi Mm. and which led me onto natural wine like that's no joke that's kind of (laughs) how i got really into natural wine as opposed to uh conventional wine that so, is really interesting. It's really and nice to revive my passion for kombucha. And fermentation. I think fermentation is so interesting, you know, and it's like in and you know, after COVID it was just like the rebirth of fermentation. Everybody is like so hungry for it. And and it's like it's good for you. Like it's good for the gut, it's good for the body, and it's good to always add something, you know, into your everyday life. You know, whether it's kombucha, kimchi, some yogurt or some um, how do you call this uh, the miso and mm-hmm. all this del- deliciousness umami stuff and it's fun yes fermentation is. is fun all right well thank you so much Anna for coming and thank uh, you for having me I'll bring you back on the pod so we can get more into wild fermentation and um, yes. also like I want to talk about like tisans and extractions but that will have to be another time yes that's fantastic thank all you for right. having me Cheers. and <laughs> Tusen tack till min gäst Anna Karenina. Om du har lust att checka ut hennes bryggeri Empress så kan du få tag i det på Vinmonopolet eller på empress.no eller massbutiker i hela landet. Tusen tack till Hans Andreas Låke som lagar musik till podden och Marius Babo som lagar grafisk design. Vi hörs igen om en månadstid. Shalabais! Som alltid, tusen tack till mina fantastiska gäster. Tusen tack till Marius Vabo som har lagat logoen till podcasten och Hans Andreas Låke som har lagat musiken. Har du lust att lära ända mer om naturvin? Om du blir medlem och betalar 30 kronor i månaden så får du tillgång till allt bonusmaterialet. Lär mer på shows.acast.com slash